Daniel chapter 12, and we will read the whole chapter. We have already looked at the first four verses, and now we are looking at verse 5 to the end of the chapter. And it's a little abnormal because, as you know, it's the Lord's Supper, but I proceed on leave. Well, strictly speaking, my leave began about a week ago, and so I was just needing to finish off some unfinished business. And I felt leaving Daniel where it was and then disappearing for five weeks was not going to be the best way. So we will look at Daniel and we'll still break bread. So whichever elder it is, I think it might be Elder Matafali, will be leading us through the breaking of bread. Chapter 12 and verse 1. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? It says now Daniel himself asking. He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. But the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, 
but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away, and the abomination that makes, desol de that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way to the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. And thus ends the book of the prophet Daniel. Well, brethren, last time when we were looking at this passage, we saw the first four verses of it, which were really the end of the entire chapter 11 of the book of Daniel. Apart from the first verse, from verse 2 of Daniel all the way to chapter, verse 2 of chapter 11 of Daniel, all the way to chapter 12 and the first four verses, it was Gabriel who was speaking. And so it was one entire message. And what we noticed about it was that it was largely dealing with conflicts that were taking place, and there were political conflicts, but conflicts that in the process affected the people of God. Now, in the mind of Daniel, the people of God were Israel. Daniel was not thinking that a time would come when there would be the, the day of Pentecost and then there would be a new phase under a new covenant that would be the church age. In his mind, it was simply the people of God continuing uh, to some kind of glorious end. And therefore, he was really praying in chapter 9 and going into chapter 10 that the frustrations that the people of God were suffering under the, the Assyrians, under the Babylonians, and now under the Medes and Persians would come to an end. That's really what he was praying for. It was the immediate frustration that he was going through. However, what we saw from this passage was that, in fact, the story is easier understood from where we are. Because where we are, we are able to look backwards. And as we look backwards, we see, for instance, some of the places that were being mentioned, um, the, the Greek empire that took over from the Medes and Persians. That's history now. We are able to relate some of these kings that are mentioned in chapter 11, including uh, Alexander the Great. It's pretty obvious that he is referred to as well. We went on to see something of the Roman Empire as well. It's because we are looking backwards, we are able to see how the Roman Empire itself came into the picture as well. But somewhere along the way, it becomes fairly evident that we, 
we are reaching something of uh, a, a new people under a new leader, under a new king. It becomes evident that there is a, um, the coming in of our Lord Jesus Christ and the period after him. And that's really the period that we have towards the end of this story. So that really when the Bible then speaks in terms of uh, the end of this story, mm, we have the people um, of God delivered, um, everyone whose name is found written in the book, and then we've got the final resurrection and so forth. All of us now, in today's world, we can tell that this is now referring to the second coming of Christ and the end of the world. Okay, it was not that clear to the Old Testament prophets, but it's very clear to us because of the New Testament writings that we have. What we're dealing with today is basically Daniel's response to this entire one chapter of drama that's been unfolding right before his very eyes. And in his response, he, he first of all just looks. That's what happens. And then he sees two figures that obviously he doesn't know. And the two figures are on two sides of a stream or a river. And he notices one speaking and then the other one responding. That's basically what happens. And as the two speak to each other, his own response is, I don't understand what on earth this is all about. That's his response. And then after that, he himself asks a question. And um, the question there is finally answered by one of the angels. And basically, he says to him, go your way, which is the title of my sermon because it's the ultimate application that all of us go home with from this period of Daniel. It is simply, go your way, child of God. So let's begin with the conversation that takes place between these two angelic beings. You will notice that there is a question that is asked by one of them. And that question is basically saying, so how long shall it be before the end happens? And the end is this story that took place uh, at the beginning of chapter 12, when the people of God had finally delivered. In fact, I should say gloriously delivered. Remember, that's the way we put it last time, that it is the final deliverance. So how long is it before this happens? When the period of distress that this entire story has been about, before this really comes to an end? Well, the answer that is given is, in a sense, not very helpful. Because if someone asks you as to, you know, when you come and visit, and then you answer that I'll come after a time, times, and half a time, 
you haven't helped him. Okay, the person wants to know, is it Wednesday, is it Friday, is it next week, is it next month, is it next year? And yet this is the answer that Daniel receives, um, or at least he overhears being given. Let's again read verse 8, verse, rather verse 7. And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, he raised his hand, and his left, raised his right hand, and his left hand toward heaven, and swore by him, who lives forever, that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. Now, in one sense, that wasn't very helpful to, you know, Daniel, who was listening to this conversation. But on another, it was helpful. Because thankfully, Daniel was writing down the visions that he had been receiving. So if you go with me to chapter 9, chapter 9, or rather chapter 7, chapter 7 and verse 25. Maybe I'll begin from verse 23. Again, I'm tempted to go further back. Let's begin with verse 22. But remember, we went through all this before. Okay. Um, verse 22. Until the ancient of days came. Now, if you remember, the ancient of days, we talked about it as the coming of God in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the ancient of days. And judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Okay, so that's the time that is now being referred to. Thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones and shall put down the three kings. Now here it is, verse 25. He shall speak ag words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. In other words, it's clearly a fighting that is now fighting the people of God themselves. And shall think to change the times and the law. And they shall be given into his hand. Okay? So these are the saints of the Most High will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. So obviously, Daniel, who had written this down, now hearing what is being said later in chapter 12, is at least tying the two together. This must be the same thing. It's, it's apocalyptic language. So it's, it's hiding information from you, which when the time of fulfillment has come, you are able to say, okay, Okay, this is what was meant. But you cannot calculate beforehand. So 
In a sense, it hides the answer so that it is not revealed at that time. However, you cannot miss the fact that there is something there related to the, the final deliverance of the people of God. The final deliverance of the people of God. Keep your finger on Daniel 7. We'll come back to it. But what I want us to see is in chapter 12. Chapter 12 and verse 8, sorry, verse 7 again, I keep saying verse 8, says, after a time, times and half a time, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy peoples comes to an end, all these things would be finished. In other words, this entire period when the, the, the people of God are being bombarded, they are being attacked, they are being uh, persecuted, and everything else, that shattering of their endurance power, that finally comes to an end. When that happens, he says all these things would be finished. Now, if we go back to Daniel 7, we see there that whereas Daniel 12 speaks in terms of the, the shattering of the power of the holy people coming to an end, in Daniel 7, it's actually the people of God whose kingdom then becomes the greatest. So let's read um, after a time, times and half a time, in verse 26. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. That is, whoever this king is, who for time and um, times and half a time has uh, been devouring the people of God. Listen to verse 27. And the kingdom, which we've already looked at, and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So it's fairly evident that when you compare the two visions, which are really meant to dovetail that it's referring to the end of time. It's referring to a time when there is a, a final victory um, that, that the kingdom of God in the hands of his own people will be ultimately ruling over everything. Now, if you are sitting there and you are saying, I need further light, then you are in good company because Daniel is one of you. And that's exactly how Daniel responds when we read then in, in verse 8. I heard, but I did not understand. Okay? So th there is some indication of uh, the, the final deliverance, of, 
of the people of God coming from under the yoke of the enemy. And if we add Daniel 7, them in fact ruling together with their king. But it's still not fitting the picture that I have. And therefore, the question, when will this be, has not been really answered. Because to say a time, times, and half a time is not really answering my question. I would have loved if you had said in the next two years, in the next 10 years, in the next 100 years, but you've left it hanging. So Daniel then proceeds to, to ask another question, uh, rather a question now that he himself is going to ask. But before we do that, at least let's, we have the advantage of being on this side of Calvary on this side of the coming of the day of Pentecost. And we have the advantage of recognizing that this has to do with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that he's coming twice. The first coming was one in which he suffered and paid the price for all our sin, but it was as a result of that suffering that he was now given power to be king of kings and lord of lords. He was given mediatorial kingship so that now his kingdom rules over all. So that's fairly clear. In the midst of that, nonetheless, there is an ongoing fight because his people, the church, in the New Testament is still in a hostile world. It is marching forth. It is gaining ground. There is no doubt about it. But in the midst of all that, there are martyrs. There is persecution. There is all that that is taking place. And consequently, there is something of a mixture until the next coming, which we call the second coming. And with that second coming, he comes in power, basically destroys all his enemies, wraps up history, sends his enemies to hell, and that is where there is this resurrection that is being taken, talked about here, and then bringing his own people into everlasting bliss. So we have the advantage. We can see a little more clearly of what Daniel was seeing here, we are seeing it better from the perspective of all the New Testament writings. Daniel is still wanting to understand, and therefore he now asks a slightly different question. Instead of asking, when will this be, he now asks, what will be the outcome of all this? That's his question now. What's the outcome? In other words, it's like the way the, the Pharisees used to ask Jesus, what will the sign be? Or even the disciples would ask the same question. What will be the sign of your coming? In other words, we may not know when, but at least tell us the indicators. 
we will be happy enough if we can see what the outcome is. Now, it's important for us to realize, brethren, that the prophets did not know everything. They, they were sort of peeping into the future. There were certain things that were being given to them, but even they could not piece everything together. They could see what they were being told, but when the brain tried to, to fit everything in, many times they were just left with their feet hanging in the air. So they, they simply recorded faithfully for us what God had revealed to them. Later on, we, upon whom the end times have come, are better able to understand what the prophets were saying but did not understand. And that is what is happening here. One thing that Daniel was told when he said, what will the sign of the end be? Uh, basically, the answer he was told was this, that the godly will get more godly. The wicked will get more wicked. That's really the answer I was told. Let's read that together in um, the answer that he gets. Let's start from verse 8. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, Oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel. For the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. So basically, Daniel, you won't know the meaning now. The ones who will know the meaning are the ones at the end of time. It's closed. There is a veil that is put there. But those at the end of time will get to understand all this as they look backwards. But here is what he then reveals. Verse 10. Many shall purify themselves. That's what you will come to see. That's what is going to happen. And make themselves white and be refined. There will be a growing godliness. There will be a growing of God's kingdom. There will be a people, if we can use modern language, filled with the Holy Spirit who will be living the life that was previously under the old covenant impossible. And they will be scattered across the globe. It will be a growing phenomenon. Many will be purifying themselves. Many will be growing in godliness and holiness, which was not so before. But here's the other side. But the wicked shall act wickedly. Sin will grow. Hypocrisy will grow. There will be people, even in the church, who would take the church completely astray. 
And in the end, there will be a growing of wickedness. The, the, the love of many will grow cold. These two things, side by side. He repeats, listen to this. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. In other words, those who are stubbornly hanging on to sin, it doesn't matter what you will say concerning the truth of God, concerning even these prophecies that this is what's coming. Danger is coming. The king of kings is coming. Repent, believe, and so on. They will laugh you to scorn. They will only get worse. On the other hand, the wise shall understand. In other words, those in whose hearts God has put the fear of the Lord, which is what the wise are, they will take heed. They will know that this is not the way to go. It is the way of destruction. It is the way of wickedness. It is the way of God's wrath. They will instead turn in the ways of righteousness. And in a way, that's what Daniel is being told when the angel says, go your way, Daniel. Go your way. Daniel's way is the way of righteousness. Daniel's way is the way of uh, wisdom. And he's being told, Daniel, just continue in your way. Don't worry about the timings of God's uh, agenda. Don't worry about peeping into prophecy and all its details, trying to understand it. You simply go your way. Let the wicked go their way too. In the end, it will all be seen. That's the first message that he gets. But then, this same angel brings in a point that has been covered three times. This is the third time it's been covered in Daniel. And Jesus repeats it. And it is this stopping of the regular offering and then being replaced with an abomination. It seems to be a, a historical event that should send warning bells to anybody who knows God's word. We find it, first of all, in chapter 9. Or maybe let's first of all read the one in chapter 12. So chapter 12 and verse 11. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. And then we are told, blessed is he who waits. In other words, is patient enough. He endures 
finishes those days and reaches 1,335 days. That one will be blessed who endures through those days. Okay, so let's go to chapter 9, uh, verse 27. Chapter 9 and verse 27. I begin from verse 26. And after the 62 weeks, an anointed shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And obviously, we suspect that's Jesus Christ. Remember? But let's go on. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The city being Jerusalem, the sanctuary being the temple. Its end shall come with a flood. And listen to this. And to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. Verse 27. And it shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice. There it is. An end to sacrifice and offering. And then, and on the wings of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolate. In other words, that same guy who does all this is now vanquished in the end. Chapter 11 and verse 31. Chapter 11 and verse 31. Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress. And shall take away the regular burnt offering. There it is, stopping the offering. And they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. So it is set up in their place. He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. Now, in chapter 9, it was not seducing with flattery. In chapter 9, it was making a strong covenant with many for one week. But it's basically the same thing, seducing them into some agreement. Okay, So you can see that it's the same event that is repeated over and over again. Um, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Then we've seen it in chapter 12. Now let's go to Matthew and chapter 24. Matthew 24. And verse 15, Jesus says, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, so the, the, the actual regular sacrifices are stopped and in their place has been put this abomination, this idol. Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Okay. So the question is, what, what is this thing? <laughs> now, let me answer it this way. Theologians continue to debate it. Okay. One possibility is uh, Antiochus Epiphanes in uh, 165 before Christ came. And it is historically known that he came, 
he put an end to the sacrifices and installed um, a, an idol in its place. In fact, his own uh, image and so on is what he really put there, which was an abomination. So some think that that's what fulfills this. The major problem with that is that Jesus is after B.C., okay? Epiphanes, Antiochus Epiphanes, was 165, 67 years before Jesus. And yet Jesus is saying, when you see this coming, flee. So that's its major weakness. The second possibility is the Roman invasion, which took place soon after the days of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Romans came, destroyed um, the, uh, Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, in fact, completely raising it down to the ground. But before they raised it down to the ground, they also did exactly the same thing. They came and put in their own idol right in the temple. The weakness with that one is that they did not enter into any agreement with the people of Israel or with the church, because now we are talking about the church period. They didn't do that. So that aspect seems to have been left out. So because of that, a number of theologians think that this must be referring to a future Antichrist who is going to come and he will then enter into an agreement with the people of God for a period. He would seduce them and so on. The weakness with that final view is that we are now in the church age. In other words, there will be no sacrifices that God recognizes in any temple. The temple now is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The sacrifice is that which Jesus made on Calvary. In other words, whichever view you take, there will always be a but and a but and a but. But that's the point, you see, that ultimately this is what the angel says to Daniel, verse 13. Daniel, Go your way until the end. <laughs> In other words, instead of trying to understand prophecy, leave it for the time it will be fulfilled. For you, go your way. In other words, remain faithful Continue your lifestyle, that which is holy and righteous. And then he says this, and you shall rest and stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. That's really the message to all of us as well, as we read this. Instead of us trying to be clever theologians, individuals who are able to unravel prophecy, 
And we can find even David Kaunda and Kenneth Kaunda in the book of Daniel. And perhaps Saddam Hussein, no, if we can't, perhaps we can find either Donald Trump or Joe Biden and so on in here. There's no need to do that. Go your way, child of God. That's it. What is the path that God has allotted for you in life? What is that path? A path of trials, yes. A path of hardships, yes. A path of whatever. Be faithful. Do not go in the path of sin and wickedness and overlook the clear instruction of God's word. Do your part. You will soon be gathered together with your fathers in the dust of the earth. But be sure a day is going to come when you will rise. And if you have been going your way faithfully, you will be among those that God will raise you will shine like the stars forever, as we saw earlier, with the brightness of the stars in the sky. You will shine. Go your way, child of God. And many times it's going to happen. You will be with other believers in the church, and you soon discover they have no thirst for the things of God. They are content to meander in the ABC of the things of salvation. They are content to simply be playing and playing and playing until playing comes out of their nostrils and ears. And you are sitting there wondering, should I lower my standards? Should I also go into compromise? Should I? No! Go your way, O oh child of God. History is going somewhere. It's moving towards an end. When God will bring deliverance to his people, when God will bring everybody to judgment, both those who are living at that time and those who have died, and you at that point will receive your allotment. Don't follow the crowd. Don't dim your light. Go your way. Do your part. And a time will come when you will die. That's what happened with Daniel. Daniel lived. We know his story. He was faithful in the midst of many temptations. He died long ago. He went his way. He closed up this prophecy. Never understood all it was saying. He closed it up. The day will come when he will be among those raised from the dead. And he will shine like the brightest star in the firmament. He went his way. What about you? 
What about you? No, it's because of my husband. No, it's because of my wife. No, it's the friends that I have who are always pulling me down. No, no, no. Daniel is being told, stop it. On the judgment day, you will not be brought together as a couple or brought together as friends in the same classroom or in the same YP. No, you'll be someone by name alone. So make sure you remain faithful until either you hear that final trumpet call and Jesus descends or your heart breathes its last and you say now like the Apostle Paul I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith I await the crown of righteousness which the Lord will give to me and to everyone who has waited for his appearing I took the path chosen by God for me and I was faithful to the very end. May that be true of you. Instead of spending all your energy trying to decipher what in fact has been shut up. Go your way, O child of God. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we come now to break bread together, we thank you that the breaking of bread is a very personal meal. Each one of us sitting alone, thinking and meditating upon the finished work of our Savior on the cross and responding to it personally, that each one of us might fulfill your purpose for our lives to your glory and praise. As we are now taken into the last phase of our service, we pray that our meditations upon Calvary will help us to go our way in faithfulness. For Jesus' sake, amen.